Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And... uh, We want to continue with something that we began last week in the consistency. Lies the power. And uh, we made the statement that the power of anything is found in the level of consistency applied to it. Doesn't matter what it is. If you want the the benefit of, of something that you're doing... It's, it's going to be found in the consistency. And, and we talked about the word consistency last Sunday. Is, uh, it, it denotes, uh, you know, if, if you are uh, mixing something up, a recipe, all right? For instance, if, uh, if, uh, if I was home this morning making uh, my uh, plant-based blueberry pancakes for the family, all right? If I get the consistency too wet, I'm going to put it on my griddler, and it's going to be too too runny, right? Going to spread out all over. If I make it too thick, too firm, it's going to be like a dough ball, right? That's not good. Got to be just right. And mine are always just right, all right? Anyway, enough bragging on me. But... Consistency, so, so the, the, the softness, the, the consistency of it, the hardness, the firmness, all right, of a thing. And there are things that the Bible tells us, and it makes this statement, hold fast to. There are things that it tells us to take fast hold of. It uses those phrases. And uh, I've just been going through the scripture and looking at all these things that it says to take fast hold of, to take to hold fast to certain things because, uh, uh, you know, something that I see is what I have a lot of, hear a lot of preaching nowadays in the season that we're in, and I hear a lot of pastors, it's almost like they're trying to get their church caught up, like they weren't ready for anything. You know, when all of this, whatever you want to call it, started, You know, I immediately just put my trust in the word that I've been pumping in you for the last 22 years. Amen. Or however long you've been here, five years, 10 years, seven years. Amen. I mean, if 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 you've been here six months, you've probably heard more word than most, I'm not going to say it, than a lot of Christians here in five years. Amen. Not because we're so great, we know the power of the word. So... What we're doing is not trying to get you to do something different, but to see you the, see, get you to see the benefit of what you're doing. Amen. Because remember, it's not enough just to tell you not to do something. What, what do we need to do? How do we need to do it? Amen. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and uh, verse 15. This is what we'll deal with today. And a certain aspect of this. 
Paul says, therefore, brethren, hold fast. Notice, hold fast and or stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught rather by word or our epistle or our letter. So Paul says we're to hold fast to the traditions we've been taught. Hallelujah. The Woos Bible says, So then, brethren, be constantly standing firmly and be holding fast to the teachings which were delivered to you to be passed on to others which you were taught either orally or through this letter. So he explains to us what the traditions are, what he means when he says traditions. They're they're not the things that are man-made. They're the things which the Holy Spirit taught these believers and that the Holy Spirit has taught us as believers through the Word of God, through reading the Word, through hearing the Word, through being taught the Word. Amen. Amen. That word tradition, it means a giving over by mouth or precepts. A giving over by mouth or precepts. It's used to refer to the law which it is believed that God gave the law to Moses orally. And and scripture bears that out. When he gave Moses the, 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 the Ten Commandments, he declared them to him orally. And then they passed on to subsequent generations orally as well. We see this concept throughout Scripture. Paul wrote Timothy, and he said, The things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. So there are traditions, there are teachings, there are doctrines that we're supposed to learn, and we're supposed to teach, and then they're going to take it and teach it to others. And Paul says, hold fast to that. Hold, hold fast to that. You know what you learned six months ago? You're going to have an opportunity to put it into operation. And you will if you hold fast to it. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Say it out loud. I'll hold fast to what I've learned. Amen. And he goes on. And says to hold fast to those. And as we said, these are not the religious traditions or the traditions that Jesus spoke of that make the Word of God of no effect. In uh, the book of Matthew chapter 15, we see this. Hallelujah. And uh, Jesus is dealing with the religious leaders of His day. Matthew 15 Verse 3, and he says what, because remember that they, they got upset with Jesus because him and his disciples uh, didn't wash their hands before they ate. Boy, he'd be in a mess today, wouldn't he? <laughs> Just a little humor, very little, I know. But, amen, I'm not telling you not to wash your hands. Don't you go out and say, I said that. That's not what I'm saying. It's just appropriate. But he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? 
by your notice tradition. Now, this is also a teaching, but notice what he says. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he that curses father or mother, let him die the death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, it's a gift. In other words, what's happening here is this, this, this son has it in his power to help his mom and dad out financially, and when they ask for help, or he should be helping them, he looks at his mom and dad who need help, and he says, no, this is dedicated to the Lord. I can't give it to you. All right? And notice what Jesus said. And notice, they, they were teaching this is okay. In, in other words, these leaders are teaching this is all right to do. They're teaching people, if, if it's dedicated to the Lord, then you don't have to give it to your, your parents. And Jesus said, Thus have you made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition or by your teaching what you're passing on. The difference is what Paul said was inspired by the Holy Spirit. What these men said was inspired by greed and selfishness. And Jesus said a man-made tradition can make the word of God of no effect. All right? The, the Bruce Bible says you deprive the word of God of its force and authority by your traditions. Hallelujah. But notice in these verses, one of them is a commandment from God, honor your father and mother. The other is a man-made commandment. Amen. In other words, it's a man-made tradition designed to be able to get out of doing what God said. Amen. Jesus dealt with this a lot. Amen. When, 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 when he dealt with, and, and remember, thank you, Holy Spirit, when, when, when he talked about divorce, when Jesus talked about divorce, this has been widely misapplied in the church, widely misapplied in the church. And he, and he said, he said, I say to you, now notice this, this is important. He said, I say to you, whosoever puts away his wife. And marries another, commits adultery. Is that what it said? Is that what it said? Yes. It did, right? Now hang on. But watch this. What is the putting away? They had a tradition. If you don't like your wife, just put her away. Go get you one you do like. Right? It's not talking about divorce even because of irreconcilable differences. It's talking about an old boy just comes home and he thinks whatever he thinks. I'm tired of her. Uh, uh, she isn't aging well or whatever it is and I'm getting rid of her. Remember what Jesus said though? What did he say? They said, but Moses gave us a commandment. He said, Moses gave you that commandment because of your hard heart. He, he didn't say there wasn't grounds for divorce. He said, you have made a tradition 
that's causing people to enter into sin because this is what the Word says, and you're telling them that if you just, if you just don't like her anymore, just get rid of her. And vice versa. See, that's an illustration of the Word of God being put on the shelf for tradition. Amen. Are, are you following me? Well, Pastor, is, you know, what, what about divorce? Listen, here, here's the issue. Here's the issue when you, when you talk about divorce. Here's, here's the issue. There are grounds for divorce. Just don't let it be a hard heart. I said, just don't let it be a hard heart. Am I helping you? Because then that tradition makes the Word of God void of power in my life. I've watched people go through divorce, and God, after that event, blessed them and and magnificently blessed their life and bring them to a whole other level of blessing and walking in the goodness and the mercy of God. And you want to know why? Because their heart was right. Amen. That's God's perfect will that we get married and stay married. You understand? So one is a commandment from God. The other's a man-made tradition. And Jesus said, the man-made tradition caused the word to have no effect. The Revised Standard Version says, so for the sake of your tradition... You've made void the Word of God. You've made it void. The word non-effect means render void or deprive of force and authority to invalidate. So in other words, when I get over into tradition, I invalidate the Word in my life. I rob it of its authority. Man, when I first started pastoring this church, I can't tell you how many times I heard this phrase. That's the way we've always done it. You know how many times I had to bite my tongue from saying, well, I don't make it right, dummy. <laughs> well, that's, just, that's just the way we've always done it. We've always voted on the border in the nursery. Should it be choo-choo trains or teddy bears? <laughs> got to vote. Church has got to vote on it. We don't want anything in spirit, unspiritual in there, you know. Teddy bears might have demons. Or whatever. I mean, that's, that's, that's extreme. Right? I mean, we're doing something, been doing it all these years. It's not working. It's not working a lick. But that's how we've always done it. Well, here's what the Word says. I know, but this is how we've always done it. Make the Word void. Deprive it of its authority. Because of tradition. Am I helping you? Oh, we're going to get into more. I'm not going to stay here. But. Amen. In other words, regardless of what the word says, this is our tradition. Amen. And we're willing to invalidate the word to hold on to our tradition. I'm willing to deprive the word of its authority to hold on to what I believe. 
Well, that won't work. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It was in the bylaws of this church when I started pastoring that you could preach out of no other version than the King James Version of the Bible. That's it. Because by God, that was the most anointed version. Well, I, listen, I do most of my study out of the King James. That's, that's my version. I like it. But I quote other versions. Amen. I'd sneak it in on them and they didn't even know it. I was invalidating their tradition and they didn't even know it. I'm not being ugly. We had a lot of good people. We had some old sore heads too, but we had some good people. Amen. A lot of them are still with us. But the, 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 no, not the old sore heads. The, the good people. Ah, glory to God. Ah, I got to explain everything to you guys, don't I? I just, yeah. Amen. Hmm. Right? Hallelujah. But once you get freed of the tradition. Now, when I say tradition here, remember what we're talking about. In, in this context of what we're saying is that tradition, that's what somebody thought and what some person thought that went contrary to the Word of God. Amen. My Lord, when I took out the pews and put in chairs, you'd have thought that I'd blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I just, my Lord, I had a lady call me and leave me an ugly voicemail. I'm leaving the church because first of all, you took my hymnal and now you've took my pew. My comfortable pew. I tripped over one of them chairs. Like you can't trip over a pew. Leave a church that just two months before you were so enamored with. Oh, he's a prophet of God. Oh, he's full of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, 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 ooh. And took my pew, you devil. Invalidate what God's doing through a tradition. Amen. Are you following me? And, and those are, are funny things. You know, there's a few meaner things, but that doesn't matter. But, but, but the point is, the tradition that Paul was speaking about were those things, those revelatory truths that are imparted by the Holy Spirit. And he says, hold on to that. Notice in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11 and 2. He says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. Now, uh, you may in your center column reference have a word that says traditions. The word ordinances there is the same word for traditions in 2 Thessalonians carries the same idea. And so Paul says here, 
keep these traditions as they were delivered to you. Hallelujah. Now, why should I keep them? Because there are things that are found in the Word that I'll never know the power of if I fail to do them consistently. And we're going to look at one today. Uh, Tithing. Now, very often, when we talk about tithing and we talk about the tithe, uh, a lot of people just do it out of tradition religiously. They were taught to tithe. They were taught that the first tenth of whatever they get, that that you give it to God. But it was kind of with this mindset uh, that they were tithing to make sure that God wouldn't curse them with something. Kind of a payoff. Well, many people tithe out of religious obligation instead of Holy Spirit revelation. And let's begin over here in Genesis 14. It's vital all the time to to understand the tithe. Uh, I've never been a seasonal preacher. I have not taught anymore against fear in the season we're in than I ever have. Uh, I've not taught any more on giving than I ever have because we try to be well-rounded. Here's my mindset. In the season we're in, you know what to do. Get after it. Right? In the, in the morning, sow your seed. In the, in the evening, don't withhold your hand because you don't know what's... Amen. Your tithe is your covenant connection. And, but here's the thing. In Genesis 14, beginning in verse 15, this is after Lot was taken captive, and Abram heard it, Abraham heard it. It says, he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them, and it says that he pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus, and brought back all the goods, and brought back again his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlamer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is in the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he, Abram, gave Melchizedek tithe of all. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take even a thread, even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I've made Abram rich. Now this is the first time in Scripture that we see the tithe mentioned. The very first time. Uh, The tithe. And the word tithe simply means tenth. All right? means tenth. But here we see something. 
we see the tithe given to the priest of the Most High God. El Elyon, the Most High. Melchizedek. And we see the tithe given in connection to increase. So there's two things that we see here. We see who to tithe to. The priest in the Old Testament. Our high priest Jesus in the New Testament. But then we see when to tithe. Whenever there's increase. We see who to tithe to, our high priest, and we see when to tithe whenever there is increase. Hallelujah. So there's evidence in these verses that the tithe is an appropriate response to God for the increase in our lives. The tithe. I've had people discuss with me over the years, do I need to tithe off my tax return? Is it increased? Yep, okay, yeah. Increase that comes into my life, I need to tithe off of it. And, and, and we'll get into why. But it's important that we see this, this pattern. Who to tithe to and when to tithe. So... I'm literally tithing to my high priest Jesus whenever there's increase. He gives me the avenue of the local church to put my tithe in, but he receives it. All right? Hallelujah. And notice in verse 21, the king said, give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. And Abram said, I've lifted my hand up to the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth. And notice he said that I won't take, again we read it, a thread to a shoe latchet that you should say, I've made Abram rich. Now notice something. The first thing I want you to see is the goods or the spoil that Abraham brought back was rightfully his. Why? He had, he had achieved them through combat. When, when there came word that Lot had been kidnapped, the Bible says that Abram assembled his trained servants, 318, and he went and attacked them by night and defeated that king and five other, the, the five kings and brought back all the spoil. All right. Now, religion tries to minimize that. Well, you know, these weren't very big kingdoms and whatever. Look, the Bible says there was five kings and that Abram and 318 servants defeated them. Now, here's the thing. They were well trained. They may have had the element of surprise, but there was something working on Abram's behalf before he ever got involved in that. Amen. It was the covenant that he had with God. But there's something that kept him connected to that covenant. Amen. And he said, the king told him to take the goods. And Abraham said he had lifted up his hand to the Lord. In other words, I swore to the Lord. And what I swore to him 
was I was not going to look to anybody else for my increase except you. And nobody else will ever be able to say they made Abram rich. Hallelujah. He said, I won't take even the smallest part of the spoil. But then it says something. It says before that, he tithed. The tithe acknowledges that the good in my life, the victory in my life came from God. Nobody else can make that happen. It's not just a religious exercise. It's not just something I do because that's what I've been taught to do. It's not just a man's tradition. It is something that's speaking. The, the Bible says that when I bring my tithe, in the book of Hebrews, it says when I bring my tithe, that I understand that I am tithing to a living, breathing human being who is my high priest. And it says when I put my tithe in the receptacle or in the offering, that I am witnessing that Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. Amen. So no one else could have made that happen. 318 men defeated five kings. When Abram tithed, he's saying this didn't just happen. This didn't just occur. Hallelujah. You know, when you, when, when you hear people uh, 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 talk and, and their, their favorite spiritual song is, you know, uh, he works hard for the money. So hard for the money, right? Amen. Th those are the same people that you'll see tagging their tithe on at the end of everything else they've got to pay. Because after all, we've got to work God in. In other words, God's not the source. He's not the reason for everything that I have. It's just an aside. And just in case this curse thing is true, I want to get my tithe in there so that I won't get it and, 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 and I won't be cursed and, and God won't be mad at me because after all, I can't afford to have Him against me. No, you can't. Read through the book of Jeremiah and, and, and see what God did to the people that were against Him. Not good. I wrote my Bible over and over again through Jeremiah. I never want God to be against me. I never want God to be against me. But, 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 but here's the thing. When, when a person's mindset is that way, look at Abram's mindset going into this. I have a covenant with God. I have made us, I have swore to God that I will not take anything from anybody. Amen. Because then you won't be able to say you made me wealthy. But I will tithe to God. And notice, that's the first thing he did. Amen. Hallelujah. So nobody else can say that the good in my life came from anybody but God. Amen. When people look at your life, they, they don't realize how you have received what you've received. They don't realize how you're living the way you're living. They don't realize how the blessings of God are flowing in your life. Amen. But you do. 
and you recognize that when you tithe and you make out that tithe check or you fill it out in the, in the text to give or however you do it, when you give that tithe, it is a testament to you and to everybody around you that God is not only my source, God is the one that did everything that's any good in my life. God did it. Amen. Amen. It's not just a tradition. And when I say I've got tithers' rights, I've got tithers' rights because I've kept God in His proper place with my money and with what's flowing into my life and every bit of increase, God gets the tenth of it and I keep Him where He ought to be. Amen. So the tithe acknowledges my dependence on God. It's probably the first step of faith that you took as a believer was to begin to tithe. Amen. It acknowledges your dependence on God. I'm dependent on Him for everything. Amen. So the tithe is more than money. It's a statement of dependence. I believe in you so much, I'm tithing. I believe in you so much, I'm saying you're the source. When, when, when it says the Most High God, El Elyon, the God that can do things no other God can do. Amen. Hallelujah. And notice something. When, uh, and, and, and this is not in my notes, but when, when Abram left and went out of the country because of the famine, we'll, we'll see this in another area as well, in another story. But the king took Sarah to be his wife in his harem. And that night, the Lord woke him up and said, you're a dead man because you've taken his wife. Well, why did he do that? He had said, I'll be your shield and your exceeding great reward. I'll protect you. I'll keep you. Based on what? Based on the covenant. What was the connection to the covenant? The tithe. God will protect you in areas that you don't even know you need protection. When you tithe. Amen. In uh, Genesis 30. Genesis 30. And... uh, Verse 27. Now this is, uh, actually I'm sorry, Genesis 28. Let's go there first. Getting ahead of myself. I can't move that quick. Got to take my time. My Lord, it's early yet. Genesis 28 and verse 20. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in his way, he said, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, 
so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, or Bethel. And of all that the Lord shall give me, I will surely give the tenth unto you. Now this is Jacob when he's running from Esau on his way to Laban's. And notice Jacob saying, if you bless me, I'll give you the tithe of all you give me. God accepted that promise to tithe. I'll show you. God accepted his promise to tithe. Amen. God will accept a promissory note from you if you intend to follow up on it. Amen. And he says, notice in uh, Genesis 30, verse 27. And Laban said unto him, Jacob, I pray you, if I have found favor in your eyes, tarry or stay here. Why? For I've learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. That's important. When you have a tither on the job, the whole place gets blessed. Amen. Because there's someone there with a covenant connection. And, and I've taught things over the years, and people kind of look at me cockeyed about it, but that's fine. Your job exists many times because you're on it. And a covenant person needs a job. And God will bless that business or bless that company because of you. Laban was a scoundrel. Laban was a, a cheat. He changed the tithing man's wages ten times. But notice what he said. Notice, listen. I've learned by experience. The Lord's blessed me because of you. Hallelujah. Then he goes on. Verse 30. Uh, Jacob says. It was little that I had before I came. Or as little that you had before I came. And has now increased into a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. The Lord has blessed you. Since I came here. Amen. So when you, when you step into a place. And you step into a job. And you step into an environment. God intends to bless that place for you. Hallelujah. But now notice what's the key here. What's the qualifier? The tithe. Sporadically, consistently. Grudgingly, no, willingly. Amen. People have given Jacob a bad rap. I mean, they really have. Uh, that scoundrel, that liar, that this, that, the other. Listen, he went about getting the blessing from his father the wrong way, but it was already promised to him. 
God had already told his mother, the elder shall serve the younger. Well, the elder can't serve the younger if the blessing's on the elder. That's not how it works. Jacob didn't know everything, but he made a vow to God, and he said, if you bring me back and you're with me, everything I get, I'll give you the tithe off of it. And God accepted that as a promissory note. And from day one, God started blessing Jacob and Laban because of Jacob. Amen. And then he says, mm. and, and, and they make a deal about uh, the different cattle that he's going to get. And he, 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 you can see there the spotted and the speckled and the brown. And then uh, in, if you look at verse 33, well, actually, verse 43. And the man increased exceedingly, Jacob, and had much cattle, and maidservants, and men servants, and camels, and donkeys. In this day and age, that was the true test of your wealth. Not just how much gold and silver you had, how many people you got working for you. How many animals do you have? How much livestock do you have? Because the more people you had working for you, the more land you needed to tend and the more animals you needed to care for. The more animals you needed to care for, the more sustenance you had to take care of them. If a guy had one donkey and an old pitiful poor cow, he didn't have much. Amen, because it didn't take any more than him and mama and them to take care of them. When you read about the book of Job, Job had a homestead that would reach from DeSoto, Kansas to the middle of Olathe. He had to be the richest man in the east. He had a lot to take care of. Amen. Jacob became, notice, the man increased exceedingly. How do you go from nothing a pillow using a, a rock for a pillow and you've got nothing and in a matter of a few years you're increasing exceedingly in a foreign land working for another guy that changed your wages ten times. Because the blessing that comes from the tithe does not fluctuate dependent on what they do to your wages. And you know when it says he changed his wages, he decreased them. He didn't decrease him and then raise him and then decrease him. He kept decreasing him. Why? Laban was stingy. Laban was covetous. He wanted Jacob to work for him and cause that blessing to flow on his stuff. And he didn't want to do the right thing. So Jacob kept getting more to come into Laban, Laban kept cutting his wages, but God just kept blessing Jacob. Why? The tithe. Amen. This is so important. Glory to God. Because this is the foundation of your sowing and reaping. You can sow all you want, and you will reap nothing if the tithe is not in place. Because sowing and reaping is part of your covenant. And the tithe is your covenant connection. One translation says that when you don't tithe, you shoot a hole in your covenant. 
And, and that's why you have people that they want to give every now and then and tithe when it's comfortable or give when they have an issue that arises. It doesn't work that way. Amen. And he goes on. Let's read on. Hallelujah. In uh, verse chapter 31, verse 1, and he, meaning Jacob, heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. Now, they're, they're not believers. They don't understand. They, they don't know the things of God. They don't know anything about the blessing. And they, they think he just took it. But notice, all that which our, was our father's has he gotten all this glory. The word is wealth or honor. So he heard Laban's sons, the Amplified Bible says, complaining. Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. He has acquired all this wealth and honor from what belonged to our father. But notice. He has acquired all this wealth and honor from what belonged to our father. Even though Laban changed Jacob's wages ten times and tried to make it hard for him to succeed and prosper, God still prospered the tither. To the point that his own son said he's got it all. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at uh, verse 11, same chapter. And the angel of God spoke unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. And he said, lift up now your eyes, see all the rams that leap upon the cattle, are ring-straked, speckled, and grizzled. For I've seen all that Laban done to you. Now hang on right there. They made a deal that all the ring-straked, all the spotted, all the brown, all the grizzled, which is spotted, would come to Jacob. And the angel of the Lord said, now look, they're all that color. Is that right? He said, they're all that color. And then notice what he said. I have seen all that Laban has done to you. Mm. Now notice that. People will say, yeah, but you know, Pastor, God loves everybody equally. God loves everybody equally, but he cannot bless everybody equally. And the reason he can't bless everybody equally is everybody won't do what it takes. Amen. There are people that you know and I know, there are believers that you know and I know, they think the tithe is an afterthought. They'll do it if they think they can, they won't if, if they don't think they can. And because of that way of thinking, they don't walk in the blessings of God consistently or at all. And it seems like there are things that happen to them. See, we read Malachi 3, and we're going to read it. We read Malachi 3 about the devourer, and we shout about that, and, and we should, and, 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 and I'm not 
I'm, I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong about that, but understand something. What we're seeing here, he said, I see everything Laban's done to you. Why did he see it? Because he was a tither. Amen. There, there are things that happen in people's lives and they're believers and they're full of the Spirit of God and they love God, but they won't maintain this tradition that God gave, which is the first tenth belongs to me and you, you give the first tenth to me and I'll even see what people are doing to you wrong and I'll bless you in spite of it. When you're a tither, there's a mark that's on you. Amen. And when you claim tithers' rights, you're not just talking. You got the goods to back it up. Amen. Amen. I got the check register to prove it. Amen. I got the bank record to prove it. I can take your bank record sometime and wave it in the devil's face and tell him you got tithers' rights. Amen. Did you understand that? There's nothing he can do about that. That's a covenant between you and Almighty God. That's a connection that God promised you. I'll bless you going in and coming out. I'll bless everything you do as you tithe to me. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Your crops won't shrivel up. Your family won't shrivel up. There's a connection to a covenant between Almighty God and you through the tithe. And there's nothing the enemy can do about that. Because that covenant is a blood covenant. And he has no blood. He can't get into it. That covenant is between a man and God. And God gave man the right to tithe and keep themselves connected to that covenant. Oof. Amen. And he went on in verse 13. And said, I'm the God of Bethel. Where you anointed the pillar. And where you vowed a vow to me. Whoo, glory. Now rise, get you out of this land, return to your land. Now notice something. This is, this is so important. The Lord referred back to the time Jacob vowed a vow. What vow did he make? I will give you a tenth of everything I get. Amen. The evidence is here that God blessed Jacob the way he did because of his vow to tithe. I'll give you a tenth. Amen. And listen, I'm, I'm trying to test it. Test it. Don't take my word for it. Well, I need a raise. Well, tell, vow to God that you'll tithe off the raise you're expecting and start tithing like you've got the raise and see if it don't show up. And you do whatever, whatever you need to do. Every year I increase my tithe. Every year. Why? Because I'm, I'm believing for an increase in finances. And, and, and if I can increase my tithe to several percentages every year, then, I'm, I'm, then he said that the windows of heaven are open in proportion to the tithe. If they'll be open and a blessing will be poured out, there's not room enough to receive off of 10%. What will he do off 20 Amen. A tithe is a tenth. It doesn't mean that's all you can give as a tenth. 30% is three tens. 
Oh, pastor, tithe 30%. Well, you don't think about using 30% of your income to eat on. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, there are believers that will go to a grocery store with no list at all and come out with three buggy loads full and don't think anything of it. Well, you've got to feed the family. Got to eat. Yeah, you do. I mean, you do. But then they will figure it right down to the penny on the tithe. No, my tithe, in my tithe is $258.02. I wouldn't want to round up and just give God 260 Amen. Are you following me? And so every payday, they'll go spend two, $300 on, on groceries and not think anything about it. 40% of their income is on groceries, and they don't think anything of that. After all, you got to eat. My God, my God, my God. It says that God is the one that provides bread for my eating and provides what I need. I can only go to that grocery store and spend $300 on groceries because God has blessed me because of my covenant that the tithe keeps me connected to. you got to understand that. Everything you do in where the tithe is concerned is for your benefit. It's for your benefit. And you'll hear preachers say, you need to bring your tithe because the Bible says bring your tithe into the storehouse. Like it's just you doing something to bless the house of God. Listen, you bring your tithe out of honor for God and honor for His house with the understanding of what He promised you when you do it. The promise of the tithe is not, and I'll keep the lights on in the church. It's not the promise of the tithe. The promise of the tithe is that in your life, the windows of heaven would be open and a blessing would be poured out upon you that there's not room enough to receive. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. So God protects the tither. Look at chapter 31, verse... uh, Actually, let's look at a couple verses here. Verse 24, because Jacob finally left and uh, Laban went after him. And verse 24, and God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, take heed that you speak not to Jacob either good or bad. Ha, ha, ha. Notice, notice that. Hey, be careful. Don't, don't do anything to my boy. Right? And then he goes on, verse 29, they overtook him. And Laban said, it is in the power of my hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spoke to me yesternight, saying, take heed that you speak not to Jacob either good or bad. Mm. The Amplified Bible says, It is in my power to do you harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you do not speak from good to bad to Jacob, peaceably and then violently. 
That's important. In other words, I could do you harm, but your God won't let me. He has warned me not to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The tithe will even protect you from people in situations that have the power to do you harm. Amen. I, I watch believers, believers who are tithers, put up with things, and I think, why are they putting up with that? They have a covenant connection. Amen. That's what rose up in me at uh, uh, Blue Cross those many years ago when they told me that 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 uh, unbelieving unit manager that used to come in smelling like tequila. I mean, look filthy. Would come in after a, a weekend out and, and just, right? One, one time the manager had to take her in the bathroom just scrub her down. Oh, unbelieving thing. And looked at me one day and said, well, we can fire you. Oh, it rose up in me. Who do you think you're talking to? I didn't say that to her, but I looked at her and I said, you didn't hire me and you can't fire me. You didn't give me this job and you can't take it away from me. Amen. And it didn't happen. And it will never happen. Hallelujah. Are y'all with me? God said, don't you mess with him. Why? Because of the tithe. The vow to tithe. Amen. When you have a strong faith in what God said about the tithe, the tithe starts working for you. Amen. If I just do it out of religious obligation and I just do it as kind of a bucket plump kind of thing, then, then I rob it of its power to help. Amen. In Galatians 3, Galatians 3, It says, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The Amplified Bible says, if you belong to Christ or in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. According to the promise. So we belong to Jesus, so that means that I am connected to Abraham's covenant through Jesus Christ. And Abraham, according to Scripture that we read, he tithed to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek released blessing in Abraham's life. That same covenant of blessing is in my life. That same covenant of blessing is in your life. And when we claim and we say, well, I claim tithers' rights. Well, understand what you're claiming. I'm claiming my benefits 
tithers' rights. I tithe. Where do my rights come from? Where do, where do the blessings under the tithe proceed from? The covenant. They flow out of that covenant. And my tithe is evidence that I'm in covenant with God Almighty. I was a sinner serving Satan, but my lordship has changed. And I now tithe into the kingdom of God. Without fail, without fail, when you tithe, you need to be saying something. You need to be declaring some things. Why? Because this tithe is not just a check. It's not just an envelope of money. It's not just something that I'm doing over my phone. This is evidence that I'm no longer under the dominion and the bondage of Satan. My lordship has changed and I have a new master and a new covenant. The tithe is an event, not just something you do. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of thanking God. And uh, then in Malachi 3, verse 10, y'all all right? Hallelujah. You might have something pressing you need to get to. Malachi, I don't want to give you too much. Malachi 3 and verse 10. He says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing there will not be room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So the Amplified Bible says, I will rebuke the devourer insects and plagues for your sakes, and he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. Now this is important. Because these promises for the tither, notice, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The tithe is for your benefit. The tithe gives an opportunity for obedience. And God always rewards obedience. So the tithe is an opportunity for obedience. Tithing is an action of faith. And anytime we act on the word, it's faith that is motivating us. When you act on the word, it's faith that's motivating you to do that. And so when we enter into the action of tithing, it's faith that's motivating us. In uh, Hebrews 7, And verse 8, 
And there's many scriptures in this chapter that talks about this, but we'll just deal with the one here for the sake of time. It says, Here men that die receive tithe, but there he, Jesus, receiveth, receiveth them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. So Jesus receives the tithe. He's our high priest. What scripture says, we do not have a high priest which not, cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but who is tempted in all points like as are we, yet without sin. So Jesus is our high priest. And what happens is that Jesus releases the blessing of the high priest in response to your action of faith, which is the tithe. And there are, now there are people that just treat it like a tradition of people. And you'll, if you search long enough, I don't suggest that you do, but you'll, you'll dull your intelligence. But if, if you search hard enough, you can find a lot of people that, that teach, you know, we don't have to tithe. And that's fine. I mean, I say that's fine. If they want to teach that, that's fine. But boy, they're sure setting their church up for destruction. Anything you teach, you got to know why you're teaching it. There are people that mount pulpits every Sunday and they're teaching things that they heard somebody else teach and it just becomes a tradition. If what you're teaching other people you have not tried and proven in your life, you really don't know if it works or not. And if you don't really know it works in your life or not, you can say the Word of God says it, but you better put the disclaimer in there, I haven't seen it. Amen. Everything I'm teaching you, I've tried it. It works. It not only works because I see it in the Word of God, it works because I've tested it out. I've proven it. Amen. Hallelujah. And he says, tithing is how we honor the Lord with our substance. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Well, the only way you can do that is with your tithe. We honor him with the tenth in response to his word. So the word asks us to honor him with the tenth, and in response to the word, we tithe. Because God doesn't want to take away from us, he wants to give to us. And we want to make it easy. Hallelujah. Do you see that? And tithing connects us to covenant blessings through our obedience. It's important. Amen. The, and, and I'll finish up with this. The, the way you teach about anything, Scripture says this. It says that uh, sweet words increase learning. I've heard people that have good things to say about faith. They have some really good things to say, but the way they say it just turns you off. You can't listen to it because there's an there's a, there's a air of arrogancy and uh, cockiness to it. Well, it's the same way. If... if, if what is, if you're a minister, what is your purpose for ministering on the tithe? Why, why do you want to minister on it? 
I mean, uh, in your uh, ministry preparation, did you look at the finances of the church and you saw that the finances are down and he's, he's a bunch of no goods and he needs to start tithing? Well, about tax income return season, I need to preach a good message on giving. Maybe some of them stingy people will get up off their blessed assurance. <laughs> Amen. And so then he stands up there and preaches ugly like he spent all night upside down in the post hole and expects people to, 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 to enjoy what he's saying, right? Hallelujah. You know, some believers look that way, like they, they look so sad, they, they need to go out and preach atheism and try to help us in reverse. Amen. <laughs> I know Jesus. Don't you want to know him too? No! Panic and run! Panic and run! <laughs> but my, my point in saying that is tithing is joyful. It is my opportunity to see God work in unprecedented ways in my life. Amen. Amen. But preachers will get sermons together, and the, the title will be, Will a man rob God? <laughs> Yet you have robbed me. You've been weighed in the balance and found wanting. <laughs> Amen. And you, you'll squeeze a few more dollars out of people doing it that way. The more timid of the group. <laughs> you, 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 but, 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 but you'll still hear people squeaking when they walk because they're so tight. <laughs> but no, it's an opportunity to see God work for me. Amen. Amen. It's not a tradition of man. It's something that if I consistently do it, Amen. There are issues that other people have dealt with that Pastor Michelle and I never even knew was going on because we've consistently tithed. It's just something we consistently do. And, and I cannot tell you, if you have not consistently done it, I can't tell you the security you feel knowing you do it. Because to understand the power of something, you have to consistently do it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you today. Thank you for the tithe. We thank you for the opportunity that we've had to tithe. And, Lord, we thank you that everything that you said in your word, we know it to be absolute truth. And you said, Father, that tithing was in obedience to your word and that you would bless the obedient. And so, Father God, we receive it today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, even on a limited scale presently. But we thank you that the doors will swing wide and that we'll all be together soon. And we thank you for it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.